feisty, fearless, and fair. She's an Emmy-winning journalist from the White House to war zones, telling all sides of the story. This is the Rita Cosby Show. Tonight on the Rita Cosby Show, I have heard it all. I have heard a lot of career criminals who have been boasting about soft on crime DAs. And tonight, this case takes the cake. And you will probably be as astounded as I am, but this is a sign of the times. And to me, this is also a sign of how brazen and how gumptious and how cocky many of these criminals have become. And this is exactly why you cannot have soft on crime DAs. And there are so many of them across the country. And I can't wait tonight to get your reaction to what I think is one of the most stunning cases around the country. It is the case of an L.A. gang member who on a phone call from jail is bragging about soft-on-crime DA George Gascon. This is, of course, in L.A. County where soft-on-crime George Gascon, who is probably one of the softest criminal guys in the country, this guy basically takes the cake of all of them. You've got him, you've got Alvin Bragg, you've got Philly, you've got San Fran, There's a lot of them, sadly, across the country. But George Gascon, the L.A. district attorney, now seems to really get the prize. He takes the cake, and he takes it in the form of face art. Because this criminal, he is a career criminal with many, many prior offenses. And now an L.A. gang member who was convicted of murder is praising Gascon for his controversial, needless to say, criminal justice reforms that reduced the inmates' charges. And he was so happy with him and the way that he has helped criminals that he says he's going to get a tattoo on his face of George Gascon as a tribute to the woke DA. Take a listen. This is a phone call recorded from jail where the criminal is bragging, saying, I basically got away with this reduced punishment. Thank you. Soft on crime, George Gascon. It's looking real good. Now we're in LA, so they're going to, I got caught on the 14th, fool. Right there in Compton on Thursday, so they're going to drop a gang of, um, like, my gun enhancement, my gang enhancement. My gang enhancement's 10 years, fool, for being a gang member. And then... The gun and the commission of crime. Nigga, huh? Gascon or where the f- I don't get that name on my face. That's the champ right there. Gascon. That's the n- right there, bro. He's making his story changes for all of us, fool. You know, so I'm just grateful, fool. Like, I got good news off that. <laughs> so at least now I know, like, they're like, you're coming home, blood. Like, they already told me, my lord told me, you're coming home. Isn't that great? A career criminal who is a gang leader and has been charged and convicted of murder and said that he did it. He pleaded guilty to the murder, personal use of a firearm for a killing of a marijuana delivery person. 
now is gushing that George Gascon and his soft on crime approach is really helping gang members. Isn't that the best advertisement for soft on crime DAs there could be out there? Boy, if I was running against that guy, I'd run that ad over and over and over again. Is this the endorsement that you, Gascon, and soft on crime DAs across the country want? This is shameful. And so with this gang enhancement, he would have had 10 years. He would have had a whole bunch of other things, and it would have increased it basically to life. And now he's not going to get life, and he'll probably get paroled pretty soon as a result of this soft on crime DA's approach. So I got to get your reaction to the fact that they are now so brazen that they're sitting there on the phone saying, thank you, George Gascon. Criminals are smart. They see the headlines. They know the different DAs. They know the different enhancements and things that get added or subtracted from their sentences. They read the headlines like all of us do. And here he is basically mocking the judicial system to the nth degree. I mean, this is just astounding, guys. And to the point where he's just laughing and saying, I'm going to get a tattoo on my face of George Gascon. Because, boy, is that guy a great guy. Take a listen. This is L.A. County Sheriff Alex Villanueva talking about George Gascon, poor Alex Villanueva, and all his great law enforcement officers. He's been on the show before. Boy, is this guy, I just think, heroic because he and his department are trying to arrest criminals like this gang member. They're doing the best they can. But if you have a soft on crime DA on the other end, like George Gascon, where gang leaders are mocking you and laughing and saying, hey, we're going to get a tattoo with the DA's face on it because, boy, isn't he great for criminals, essentially. You know, this really is just making the job of law enforcement so difficult. So I just have to get your reaction to the fact that criminals are now so brazen that they are openly mocking the system. They're openly praising soft on crime DAs, like treating them like Jesus Christ, like they're on a like on a pedestal, you know, uh, and also basically saying, I'm going to get a tattoo with Gascon's face on it. To me, this is such a sad travesty of our justice system. And Alex Villanueva, the sheriff in Los Angeles County, feels his backup is against the wall. He is so frustrated with this soft on crime DA. Take a listen. I've had one conversation with him. That was his first week in office where we had an issue of mutual concern on a case, one particular case. But his predecessor, we met every three months. I met her in her office. She met me in my office. Yes. We shared concerns. Exactly what you're saying we did. Well, this gentleman, unless you come from the public defender's office, uh, you were a Black Lives Matter activist. Those are about the only people he's speaking to. Everyone else just doesn't exist in his world. Wow. How sad is that, that the sheriff of Los Angeles County basically feels like he doesn't exist in the world of this DA. Think about how tough the job is of law enforcement. And in fact, later on in this hour on the Rita Cosby Show, we're going to talk about a stunning new data, basically, research project that just came out that essentially says that the defund the police movement, of which Gascon is definitely a part of, but that movement has essentially increased attacks on African Americans. You heard it right, that they feel that the defund the police movement has basically made police officers back off and in return has increased crime. 
because law enforcement officers are afraid to intercede. They're afraid to step in. They're afraid they're also cut back where they don't even have enough officers, basically, in many different cities across America. And as a result, murders are up, and especially in the African-American community. How sad is that? We're going to talk about the results of that coming up. Meantime, this is Horace Cooper of Project 21, and he says this is abominable when we see these soft-on-crime DAs like George Gascon and others, and that it is hurting the victims across America. This has absolutely been devastating for too many communities. Even in those communities with fewer than 250,000, you are seeing the signs of what happens when the signal is sent that there will not be accountability. You absolutely have to say to lawbreakers that there are going to be consequences. And that is absolutely for sure. you got to make sure that they know that there will be punishment. 1,000%. By the way, case in point, another case that made tons of headlines. This is the brutal murder of a wife of the famed music producer Clarence Avant. Well, the wife, Jacqueline Avant, uh, this was a horrible, like, home invasion case. The guy got sentenced to 150 years in prison And guess what? They looked at the track record of this guy, career criminal with a laundry list of charges, including assault, robbery, and grand theft. The list goes on and on. And in New York, just to give you an idea of what's happening on both coasts of this country, in New York, a guy who goes on an apparent drug-fueled rampage, he attacked at least four innocent pedestrians on the Upper East Side of Manhattan He was just released from prison last month, it turns out. And guess what? He had 14 prior arrests. I mean, where does this end, guys? This is unbelievable. And these are charges of assault. The recent one was assault, strangulation, criminal possession of a controlled substance. The list goes on and on. And he had 14 priors. And that recent subway attack that happened, the guy responsible for that, the guy who the attorney says, oh, maybe wrong place, wrong time or whatever. But that particular person had nine priors in New York and had three priors in New Jersey. To me, it is abominable when you see these cases and you see the effect. Real quick, let's go to Phil in the Bronx. Phil, your thoughts about all this real quick, Phil. Rita, I've said it once. I'll say it a second time and a third time. What you need to do is get the citizenry, the law-abiding, decent, normal citizenry of this cities of Los Angeles and California and, and in New York City. You get five or 10,000 people, angry people, to go down and you go to the DA's office. And here in New York, it's on Hogan Place, directly across the street from the criminal courts. And you scream loud enough that they can hear you. And if you, if you have to, you've got to get to the point of civil disobedience because these people, this Gascon and this other guy, uh, Bragg, they don't care. They have a spoon-fed agenda from Albany, and Albany's getting it from the DNC. This has to stop because what's going to happen is that if this continues— Not only are you going to see an exodus of people out of New York, but you're going to see, God forbid, I hate to think about it, but you're going to see vigilantes out there. 
Yeah, you're right, because people feel frustrated. You're absolutely right. And Phil, thank you for the call. But you're right that people feel, and obviously I'm not endorsing vigilante vigilanteism in any form, Phil, but I think it's also the sense that people just feel like they are, they've had it up to here. And when you look at the rap sheet of these people, it's like, it's clear. It's like a roadmap to violence. When you look at them, you go, okay, well, this person one time is bad. Two times, it's really bad. Three times, it's horrible. It's like, how many times do people need to be victimized and different victims that a judge doesn't go throw the book at this guy? Send a message. When you see people openly mocking and laughing about it, and like this guy saying, oh, I'm going to get Gascon's tattoo on my face. I mean, this to me is such a sad testament to where the criminal justice system is now favoring the criminals and not helping the victims like it is designed to do. That is shameful to me. By the way, when we come back, everybody, we are going to be talking to Deputy District Attorney John Hatami. He is actually a deputy district attorney under Gascon, still works for him. Gascon is his boss right now. But he feels absolutely frustrated with the system. And he says he's there to keep an eye on Gascon. Thank goodness for all of us he's there. He is going to be coming up right after the break. And we'll also take your calls. 1-800-848-9222. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. It's the Rita Cosby Show. So how would you like a tattoo of soft-on-crime DA in Los Angeles, George Gascon, on your face? Well, one convicted murderer says that's exactly what he wants, to pay tribute to the DA, who he says his criminal justice reforms are allowing him to get out a lot earlier than he could have out of prison. Bravo, to this soft on crime DA, and I'm, of course, being facetious because this, to me, just epitomizes the laughing and the brazenness and, I think, the mockery that so many repeat offenders and very serious repeat offenders like this violent repeat offender has of our judicial system. And to me, this is a travesty, but it epitomizes the state of justice in a number of big cities across this country, and that includes Los Angeles, of course, so many other cities, New York, and up and down the line where you see these very liberal, soft-on-crime DAs who say, oh, you know, let's kind of give them another chance. Let's give them another chance. Let's give them another chance. Meantime, the list on their records is basically the length of a book. I mean, it goes on and on and on. And in this particular case, there he is, on a recorded call from prison, basically saying, thank you, George Gascon. I'm going to put a picture of the champ on my face. Well, joining us now to talk about all of this is now the current deputy DA 
in Los Angeles. One of the deputy DAs there who has been a career prosecutor, big fighter for victims out there. And his boss, ironically, is still George Gascon. Joining us now is John Hatami. John, thank you so much for being with us. Rita, thank you so much for having me. You know, John, I couldn't believe this when I saw this guy. You know, I've heard of, you know, prisoners kind of mocking the system and how they, you know, game the system. But this guy is saying he's going to put a picture of your boss, George Gascon, on his face because he's like, thank you for basically making it easier for a convicted murderer like me to get out of prison. What was your reaction? What your listeners need to know is 34 cities have voted no confidence in George Gascon. 98% of the district attorneys who work for him have voted that he should be recalled. Only a third of Angelinos in the city actually approve of the job he's doing. So the only people that seem to approve of what George Gascon is doing is murderers and child molesters. Um, this isn't an isolated incident, Rita. There, there are numerous times where murderers have been on jail calls praising George Gascon. There are murderers in video toasting George Gascon. We have a child molester on jail calls praising the fact that he only got a few years for molesting a 10-year-old girl. And now we have this murderer who uh, is praising George Gascon, actually called him a champ. Can you believe that? An act, a murderer actually called the elected district attorney a champ. And this should shock everybody in the United States, especially in Los Angeles, because the only people that really are suffering are, are people of color and are the victims and the victim's family members. Can you imagine if you were a family member of a murdered child and you heard that the DA was being praised by the murderer, he wanted to put his name on his forehead and he called the DA a champ. That would be just devastating. Yeah, it is. It's shocking to me. And it just shows to me the brazenness and the confidence even, and the cockiness. I use that phrase because it's like the arrogance of a criminal that it would be like, oh, I'm going to put it on there. I mean, to me, this is every reason why we don't want soft on crime DAs. Uh, whether it's L.A. or any other city across the country. You know, John Hatami, I want to ask you also about the Jackie Avant case, because in this case, the man arrested for murdering, um, she is, of course, the wife of the famed music producer Clarence Avant, and she was killed during a home invasion. The guy got sentenced to 150 years in prison. Thank goodness. Hopefully he never sees the light of day. Um, But you look at his rap sheet, it's a mile long. I, I mean, this is just another symptom of what's going on in the system. My prayers and thoughts go out to Jacqueline Avant's family and friends and all the individuals have been victimized, especially during George Gascon's tenure in office. I think your your listeners need to realize that George Gascon eliminated prior strike allegations when he first took office. And so he was forced to to now charge strikes because my union sued him, and a judge said that he was violating the law. And so now today, George Gascon has the audacity to get in front of the cameras and try to take credit for the fact that Jacqueline Avant's killer is getting a very, very lengthy prison sentence. This is a district attorney who's against strikes. This is a district attorney who said all murderers evolve. This is a district attorney who thinks child molesters evolve. 
This is a district attorney who won't even allow any of us to go to parole hearings. So it is really disingenuous that now he's trying to take credit for something that he was against. And the only reason he's changed a lot of his policies, Rita, is because he's about to get recalled. He knows he's going to lose his job. And so because of that, now he's trying to change his tune. And so it's just really, really a sad situation here in Los Angeles. Um, uh, We have a DA who cares more about criminals, cares more about murderers, cares more about child molesters than he actually does about the children and families who live in this community. That is heartbreaking to hear. To me, it's astounding and it's shameful. And I will just say... um, People not just in L.A. but in America are blessed to have somebody like you that's still there in the office watching the victims' backs to make sure that their interests are being considered because that should be first and foremost. John Hatami, the current deputy DA there in Los Angeles under George Gascon and who is a true fighter of crime and a fighter for victims' rights. Thank you so much for being here on the show, John. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me, Rita. You too. Keep up the great work. Thank you, John. When we come back, everybody, we're going to take your calls. Isn't this shocking? A convicted gang member of murder wants to put Gascon's face on. Tattoo on his face. He's bragging about it. Unbelievable. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Rita Cosby is on. The Rita Cosby Show presents Back to Blue. And in tonight's Back the Blue segment, a powerful story coming out of Mesa, Arizona, where a police lieutenant just happened to be driving down Main Street in Mesa when he saw an apartment building engulfed in flames. He immediately rushed over to the building, and as a result, footage shows him trying to pull a man out who was disabled, and the flames were just too great. He said he opened the door, and he could only go in just a few feet because the heat was so overwhelming and the smoke, but he could see that there was still a man inside, and he was able to smash the window. He had another bystander who came by, and between him and the bystander, They grabbed the man. They were able to pull him through. He said, I knew I just had one chance to do it and do it right. A couple seconds later, might have been too much smoke to see that he was inside the window. Every second matter. And I was lucky that I just happened to be at the right place at the right time. By the way, about 20 people made it out of that fire. And much in part to this lieutenant and the others on the scene, And believe it or not, they didn't lose a single person that day. Bravo and great work from our men and women in blue. Well, our men and women in blue in Los Angeles and in many other cities across the country are trying to bust repeat offenders and violent repeat offenders. And now this revolving door is just so epitomized by a recent case. And I'm talking about soft on crime DAs because the police are busting the perps. They're trying to put them behind bars. 
But guess what? As we all know, it's the DAs and the judges that do the sentencing. They're the ones who are in charge of, okay, well, should I consider these priors? Should I put these special circumstances included, these enhancements, if you will, that would serve to be more time for the person behind bars? Should we look at their history or not? Well, we know from places like Alvin Bragland in Manhattan and George Gascon Land in Los Angeles, they ain't doing it. They are basically a revolving door and not looking at priors, not looking at people's serious nature. And that is a huge, huge issue for society. Case in point, this L.A. gang member who is convicted of murder in a shocking call that was recorded in his jailhouse phone call. This is the audio of it. I'm going to play it for you in a second now. He is bragging about soft on crime D.A., Los Angeles DA George Gascon is probably one of the softest in the country. He and Alvin Bragg, I think, are competing for the softest DAs in the country. And he is bragging about this DA and saying that he is such a hero to him, that he's helped him so much to get out sooner than he would have, that he's going to put a tattoo of the guy's face on his forehead. Listen to the jailhouse call of this convicted murderer basically bragging Thank you, George Gascon. This is looking real good. Now we in LA, so they're gonna. Um, for, I got court on the 14th, fool. Right there in Compton, Thursday, so they're gonna drop a gang of um, like my gun enhancement, my gang enhancement, my gang enhancement, 10 years, fool, for being a gang member. And then the gun and the commission where of the crime. Where are you, nigga, huh? Gascon, or where the f? I don't get that name on my face. That's the champ right there. Yes, don't. That's the right there, bro. He's making the story changes for all of us, fool. You know, so I'm just grateful, fool. Like, I got good news off that. So at least now I know, like, they're like, you're coming home, blood. Like, they already told me, my lord told me, you're coming home. How scary is that? A convicted gang member with a rap sheet a mile long is, I'm going to be home soon. Thank you, Gascon. That guy's a champ. How many criminals do you think are saying that now about other soft on crime DAs across the country? And doesn't that make you sick? It makes me sick to hear that. It gets me so angry and so frustrated with our judicial system. This is everything to me that is wrong with our criminal justice system. And this comes, by the way, as a new report came out, and this was on Fox News, essentially saying that murders of black Americans and really all Americans, but especially black Americans, spiked compared to 2019. And this is 2020 numbers released from the FBI compared to 2019 after the George Floyd, Michael Brown, Freddie Gray, all of these cases, which were, of course, where all the attention was on Black Lives Matter and all these other things. They say that this movement by Black Lives Matter according to their study, and also the defund the police movement that came with, of course, the Black Lives Matter movement, that that package created a climate for increased crime. And they say it's because, listen, that there was such contention against police officers, increased tensions across America as a result of some of these claims, also not as many police officers there to be able to keep an eye and keep the streets safe. 
Also, officers afraid to intercede, you know, in the stop and frisk and things like that. They were afraid to kind of go with their hunches and maybe do a stop, question and frisk because they were afraid that they'd get pulled into internal affairs. There's a lot of reasons. But listen to these numbers that murders across the board spiked by nearly 30 percent in 2020 compared to the prior year, according to FBI data. And uh, black Americans, the number of deaths spiked by more than 32 percent compared to 2019. So what it's saying is that this defund the police movement not only is not good for obviously police officers, for everyday citizens, it's not good in fighting crime in any shape or form. I mean, I knew it, but here's some of the data that shows this. Take a listen to Judge Jeanine Pirro commenting about this. Police are the only barrier that we have between a, an a anarchy and a civilized society, between barbarism and total, uh, uh, total organization. And when we start listening to people like AOC and Cori Bush, these are not experts in law enforcement. They don't know anything about law enforcement. They haven't spent their career or they haven't studied it. All right, let's talk to the people who've been in law enforcement when crimes have been knocked down, when we took it from the 90s all the way down to making New York City the safest big city in the United States. And listen, public safety and law and order is everything. And I'm telling you, the midterms are coming up, guys. Make sure that you vote for candidates that are law and order, that care about safety in your home and safety in your businesses and safety on your streets. And these people that are spinning this, oh, defund the police. We talked last night about Cori Bush, the congresswoman from Missouri who is spending $300,000 on her own private security, but she's pushing for defund the police from everybody else. I mean, talk about the hypocrisy there. Take a listen. Here's a little more of Judge Janine talking about these people like soft on crime DA, George Gascon and others, and their soft on crime policies that are hurting the rest of us. These people are nothing more than ideologues who are looking to tear down the system at the collateral price of, to them, of killing innocent citizens. And I'm tired of it. I'm tired of them telling us what needs to be done. I don't need to hear from Ilhan Omar on how we should defund police. Every penny taken from the police should be put right back in that budget. I agree. And in fact, right now with the spike on crime across America... We should actually see an increase in police, not just a balance back to where it was. I mean, if you look at the crime numbers and the fact that it is astounding in all communities, we're talking all different races, colors, creeds. Why are we not doing more to support our law enforcement? And we're having criminals laughing from prison, saying they're going to put the soft on crime DA's face as a tattoo on their forehead because, boy, isn't he great that he gives a convicted killer time off? Are you kidding me? It makes me sick to my stomach. 1-800-848-9222. 1-800-848-9222. Let's go to Larry on line six. Larry, your thoughts when you hear this guy in this, this is this jailhouse call saying, oh, that guy's a champ. That's how he describes George Gascon. Yeah, Rita, my reaction was that this was a very chilling tape, and that's because this guy, there was absolutely no remorse in his voice. Now, you know, when George Gascon says something like, um, murder is evolved, 
That's true of certain murderers, okay? But you see, gang members don't evolve, okay? Gang members are wooed into a gang, and they do it by choice. And by definition, when they commit a crime, they don't feel that they're personally responsible. They feel like it was demanded of them. So those are the kind of crimes that really have to be punished more severely. But the bleeding hearts are sick in the head. So they look at things from the opposite perspective, that those are the ones that have to be approached leniently. But we heard in this man's chilling voice, no remorse. There's somebody dead out there. Okay, and this man is just saying, well, I'm a walker. It's like it's like, you know, it's sort of like a uh, technicality that he's addressing, not absolved from him. It's not like I had to do it because I'm in a gang. You know, there's nothing personalized here. OK, yeah. so yeah. this guy, Gascon, has to go because, you see, he is a criminologist that cannot apply his trade. He's a failed criminologist is what he is. And you know what's really sad, Larry, and you hit it on the head, because if you listen to the guy's voice, just as you said, it's like he's laughing, like you said, just because he got off on on a lesser. He didn't include one of the, you know, uh, enhancements, if you will, you know, guns and gangs. and Oh, he gave me a break. Isn't that great? I mean, that's how we want our criminals to be mocking the justice system. I mean, that's why the job is so tough for law enforcement right now. You know, they're out there on the streets. They're dealing with these guys. They're having a hard enough time arresting these guys. Then they get them, and then you got them openly mocking the justice system. You know, the other thing, Larry, too, there was this other case in L.A., too. Um, And this was the guy for – this is the wife of a very famous music producer. Um, He gets sentenced to 150 years, and it was revealed, by the way, that he was bragging to friends – over the phone about the crime from jail after his arrest. Like, I mean, like they're so openly bragging that they're either getting a break or that they did it isn't a great. I mean, this is just, it's frightening when you hear that, Larry. And and what's the solution? What do you think's the solution? How do we fix this, Larry? I'll tell you what the solution is very, very easily, but it won't be done. The solution I keep looking at is the judges that impose lenient sentences their their names and addresses have to go up because they have to know that just that just like there was a victim of this crime, okay, the, 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 that the victim of these crimes, okay, are not going to be victims a second time. They're essentially making them a victim a second time. You want to make someone a victim a second time, okay? Then you are going to be exposed, and that's what should be done. They, their addresses should be published. Yeah, I agree. And also, you know what I I think? I'm also, I'm not a fan of like the doxing and like showing up at people's homes, but I am a fan of being outside the courthouse with signs and saying, you know, so-and-so let so-and-so off, you know, that kind of a thing. And where are those protests across the country? I mean, people need to get out there and say enough of these soft on crime DAs and this is the result of this. I mean, this person's family, you know, that was victimized by this killer should go out there in front of Gascon's office, in front of the courthouse. I'm not a fan of the home, but say the courthouse and saying, you know, what the heck is going on? You know, you're a champ to a convicted killer. I mean, that's not a that's not a prize that I think anybody would want. The other thing, too, is this rhetoric, this defund the police rhetoric is fueling this, too. It's emboldening people like that. And George Soros, who is spending millions and millions of dollars, guys, across the country. He's the one who basically backed George Gascon. He gave him a million bucks to get him in office. 
Um, and I want to play, Larry, thank you for the call, by the way, but I want to play, this is cut 15. This is a couple of the squad members who are talking about defund the police, because I think all of this is part and parcel. Take a listen. Not only do we need to defund, but we need to dismantle and start anew. Talking about um, the reduction of our NYPD budget and defunding a $6 billion NYPD budget. I am for defunding the police. I am for defunding the police. I mean, that whole rhetoric, and now we're hearing from a new report that that defund the police movement actually contributed to a rise of murders in America they believe it correlates and also to arise, especially among black Americans. I mean, those were, that was the group that the Black Lives Matter was protesting and why they were saying defund the police. But they're saying that there is a clear correlation that when you don't have enough police officers and they feel demoralized and they feel like they're about to be pulled into internal affairs, they can't help any community. It doesn't matter what color or creed. They can't help the community that maybe wants and needs it the most. So that, to me, is, I think, a really powerful number tonight. 1-800-848-9222. 1-800-848-9222. Let's go to Frank on line one. Frank, your thoughts about all this? Well, I feel sorry for every victim of crime in that city. I really do. But the bottom line is people in that city complain about crime, rats, garbage, everything. They vote for the same people over and over. George Soros' $1 million didn't put Gascon in office. The people who pulled the lever put him in office. So it's very hard to feel sorry for them. You have people on the Cuomo parole board right now who have been letting out cop killers, okay? And I'll equate the uh, what the people in the city complain about as compared to what they do with the owner of a certain radio station who constantly talks about these issues in the way we all agree. But then I read in the New York Post, he's out raising hundreds of thousands of dollars for Kathy Hochul, who well, has no intention. Frank, 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 you're mixing. I'm not even sure where you're going. You're mixing apples and oranges clearly here, but I'm not really sure. You're going on a lot of tangents in this particular direction. All I can say is people who are for law and order, that is absolutely the key. That is 1,000% the key. Um, And that people who are focused, and just like you said, I mean, I think that in the case of George Gascon, I absolutely do blame George Soros because George Soros propelled him. George Soros put him in the position to be a front runner because he was not somebody who necessarily might have been a front runner if it hadn't been that kind of money backing him. And then you're right. People did pull the levers. Same thing happened. By the way, Alvin Bragg, Alvin Bragg had very fancy commercials in New York City and people voted him in. People knew what he stood for. In fact, I mean, I remember uh, watching a debate with him. And during the debate, he was going on and on and on. They knew what they're getting, and he's delivering what he said he would do. And it's very important, just as you're seeing, to read the fine print when people go out there and know what they're voting for. We're going to continue after the break, everybody. one 800 This is The Rita Cosby Show.
And we are talking about soft on crime district attorneys and the role they play and a chilling jailhouse phone call from a convicted murderer, a gang leader in L.A., who's bragging about the fact that he got off easy because there's basically a soft on crime DA in Los Angeles. And remember, it wasn't that long ago, and we just had John Hatami, who's a deputy DA there, who doesn't believe in what Gascon's doing whatsoever, which is amazing that he's on the show talking about his boss. Uh, but he's part of the effort to recall him because he said he is not good uh, in terms of helping victims and victims' rights, which should be first and foremost. But remember the case he just reminded us when we were talking with him just now, he was talking about the case of that child molester who was also kind of laughing from prison that he got off easy because of Gascon. Are you seeing a pattern here? Do you want convicted gang members and convicted child molesters talking about how great it is that they're in the jurisdiction of George Gascon so they can get off easy? Boy, what a sad state of affairs this is. What are your thoughts about this? And how do we turn it around to the point where criminals are laughing and mocking and saying, oh, I got George Gascon. I'm going to even put a tattoo of him on my face. That's what he said, because that guy's a champ. That, that to me, is such a sad state of affairs of our judicial system. 1-800-848-9222. 1-800-848-9222. Let's go to Charles on line one. Charles, your thoughts about this? Yeah. Hi, hi. First of all, great show, as usual. Thank you, Charles. Um, well, Sure. What I wanted to say is that this guy opens up a sandwich and says, oh, my gosh, tuna fish again. So his buddy says, why don't I ask your wife to make something else? He goes, no, I make my own sandwiches. That's so what's what the point, like. Charles? I, I get the sandwich. And, the, uh... point is, the point is that he's making his own sandwiches, right? So the point is that they go to the same people over and over and then they complain. That's a great point, Charles. That's a great, great point that they go back and re-vote for these people. I do think in a way this is different because I feel that the attention is so much more profound this time. And I think people going to the voting booths a lot of times in the past, you know, you go and you see a DA's name and maybe it doesn't resonate because you're so focused on a city council member or it could be a governor's race or president's race or member of Congress. You know, so many different you know, things on the ballot. I feel like this time will be different, Charles, because people right now, there's been such a wake-up call about soft on crime DAs that people are going to go in. And I think they're going to know more the background of these people. And now we're seeing the results of soft on crime DAs. I mean, it is so profound and so, you know, just disillusioning and, and disgusting. Um, let's go to uh, John on line two. Go ahead, John. Yeah, hi, Rita. Um, what we're talking about here is soft on crime. What the voters need to wake up to is, like here in New York, we've got the Working Families Party that the New York Post did an article in December about where the candidates seeking their endorsement had to sign, had to answer a questionnaire, and part of that questionnaire said that they would not take any funds for campaigning from police unions, but more importantly, they also said that they would also not change bail reform from what it is now here in New York, which is a, a joke and a half. Um, but they would also support defunding the police. Yeah, and by the way, 
those kind of messages need to come out loud and clear, John, because a lot of these people, just like you said, they telegraph it. They say, here's our platform. Here's what we stand for. But a lot of people, I don't think, really thought, well, no, surely they can't mean that, or maybe they don't really mean that, or they don't realize the repercussions of it. I think people who have common sense like you and I do, but I think a lot of people maybe weren't realizing it, and now they're going, "Uh uh-oh, we're going to continue everybody talking about this after the break and also talk about some stunning numbers at the border. Hi, it's Ernie Anastas. You know, your thoughts can affect how you feel, and how you feel can impact your thoughts. Addressing your mind and body connection is the key to improving your overall wellness. Bergen Newbridge Medical Center is the largest hospital in New Jersey, providing comprehensive, equitable, compassionate, and high-quality emergency inpatient and outpatient medical care, plus mental health services and substance use disorder treatment. The Bergen Newbridge team can address your total health needs in one convenient location. Call 201-225-7130 for an appointment or newbridgehealth.org. Feisty, fearless, and fair. She's an Emmy-winning journalist from the White House to war zones, telling all sides of the story. This is the Rita Cosby Show. And we are talking, sadly, about these soft-on-crime DAs and many cases that are coming out, including a gang member in Los Angeles who's openly mocking the judicial system and praising soft-on-crime DA George Gascon, so much so that he's getting a tattoo on his face, he said, with that champ, because he helped him get a reduced penalty. That's just what we want is you know, criminals and thugs like that praising the DA and mocking the judicial system. Well, many people are saying it is time to really get tough, and especially when it comes time to the voting booth, that you must look at the background of these district attorneys. Don't just start checking them off and say, okay, I like this person, I heard this name or whatever. Look into their background. Find out if they're going to give somebody like a gang leader a pass. Because obviously then... You don't want that person to be elected if you want a safe street, safe city, safe family, because that is the bottom line. Take a listen. Here's a little bit. This is Project 21 co-chair Horace Cooper, who talks about the devastating effect of the soft on crime DAs, but also of the defund the police movement, because those two things, many people believe, have created a climate where crime has been escalating. And if we could fund the police and we can get rid of these soft on crime DAs, then maybe law and order will come back. Take a listen. The defund the police movement has been part of a broader effort to essentially say, we feel sorry for you, the criminal, and we're going to try to excuse your bad behavior. This is devastating. And this is the kind of thing that I thought that America learned from the uh, decisions that we made in the late 50s and 60s to decriminalize. It took to the 80s to finally come back to the reality. Is it going to take that long again? And one of the things we saw in the 80s in many cities across the country was broken windows theory. Where in the 80s and 90s, they said, you know what? 
we need to go after these lesser offenses and let people know that if they commit even a small crime, that, you know what, we're going to give you punishment. If you do it again, we're going to give you more punishment as opposed to turning a blind eye. And take a listen. This is Hannah Meyer. She's of the Manhattan Institute saying, especially in cities, say, like New York, she says we need to get back to Ray Kelly, the former NYPD commissioner's philosophy, also Bill Bratton's philosophy, too. Many of those, Howard Safer, too, uh, folks who we've had here on the show, get to the theory where people know that crime does not pay. But something that that Ray Kelly did as police commissioner was when we got that number down to 600 murdered and people said, well, it's a big city, you know, we can't go below 600 murdered a year. He said, no, we can get it down to 500. We can get it down to 400 to 300. And I think we need to get that mindset back where we say we're going to use all of our law enforcement tools and our judicial tools and our mental health tools to identify people that are dangerous, to deter them from crime and to incapacitate them. Yeah, that is the message that needs to be sent. And by the way, also, later on in the hour, we're going to talk about crime in our southern border because some new numbers just came out about even more terrorists that crossed the U.S. southern border. There was a number we talked about yesterday. Turns out it's a lot more than that. Some new numbers came out that are really stunning. And more Democrats are even going after the president and saying, you shouldn't be lifting Title 42 that it is not the right time. Bravo, at least to some Democrats who are trying to have a spine finally and getting tough on crime. We're going to talk about that. And also, speaking of tough on crime and just brutal, I I mean, it's just it's horrible to see what's happening in Ukraine. This is the new phase of the war. And President Zelensky is now saying that really the battle for Donbass, that eastern region, has begun And some horrible rhetoric coming from Vladimir Putin, where he is praising the unit that basically was responsible for those atrocities in Bucha. That's where those horrible images came out of civilians who were shot and executed, the back of their head and their bodies thrown on the side of the road, basically, or shot on the side of the road where they were executed, many of them tortured. He is now praising the Russian unit that did that to civilians. This is really just... It's just horrible, and it signifies where this war is headed. We're going to take your calls on that as well. But first, we are talking about fixing our streets and making sure that criminals do pay a price and aren't laughing and celebrating soft-on-crime DAs like this gang leader in Los Angeles. The number is 1-800-848-9222. 1-800-848-9222. Let's go to Courtney on line seven from South Carolina. Go ahead, Courtney, your thoughts. Hey, Rita, how you doing? I, I listen to you all the time. I think what you're doing, of course. Uh, hey, Courtney. Hey, Courtney, call us back. Or your your line's breaking up. Can you get us a, get a better reception? All right, call us back, Courtney, because it's breaking up. I want to hear from you, but call us back. Let's go to George on line six in the meantime. Go ahead, George. Your thoughts. Come on, Ms. Rita. My thoughts are, is there any way that these uh, DAs could be held accountable via, like, as an accessory? Oh, that's an interesting point. You know, you can't do that. But what you can do is try to recall them. And that's what's happening 
in the case of George Gascon, this is there's a recall that's underway. And in fact, one of the people leading the recall is one of the guy who was just on our show, uh, John Hatami, the deputy DA, because he just said he can't he can't take it anymore. He got into prosecution. You know, he's a deputy DA and he got in to defend victims rights and he feels that George Gascon isn't doing it. So I, I really give him so much credit for leading this you know, recall, you can try to push them out before their time so you don't have to wait till the next election cycle. Uh, But you can't necessarily, the only way you can charge somebody on a crime is if they physically commit a crime, if there's some graft or there's some, you know, some sort of accessory directly tying them. But for having the worst upon worst judgment, uh, you can't do it, unfortunately. But that's a great question. Thank you so much, George. Let's go back to Courtney uh, from South Carolina, who I understand is called back. Go ahead, Courtney. Hey, Rita, how you doing? Oh, good. Much better now that I'm hearing you on a great line, Courtney. Go ahead. Listen, I'm prior law enforcement. I lived in New York for years. I was born and bred there. I live in South Carolina now and thought it would be a little better. But trust me, it's not better. Because here's the issue we have here. Everybody that was under the reign of uh, uh, Andrew Cuomo has are moving here. And everyone wants to run for office. We just had a guy that raped somebody three times. And because he has so much power and he has a high-powered attorney, uh, he got on probation. Wow. Wow, wow, wow. So do you believe that it's sort of the liberal philosophy just because they're moving across the country? A lot of people, by the way, were moving during COVID because things were so bad or crime was so bad. Isn't that the irony, Courtney, that a lot of them were leaving, you know, big cities like New York because they saw the headlines of the crime. And now they're taking that sort of soft on crime mentality in the judicial process down to where they are in beautiful places like South Carolina or Tennessee or elsewhere. Rita, how bad do you think the uh, the crime is in Chappaqua? Yeah, you're right. It's not that bad. Not that bad. Where are you in in South Carolina? Where are you now in South Carolina? I am in Greenville. Okay, yep. I know South Carolina well. I went to University of South Carolina. I'm a Gamecock, so, so that's why I know that area. But, you know, how sad is that? So how do we change this, Courtney? What do you do? I think I still think it goes back to education and to making sure people understand the price of defund the police, the price I, I of our just, safety. I, I was just I was just talking to a, a female officer that I worked with for 20 years, and we we just, down here in South Carolina, we just had a 13 year old shoot and kill a 12 year old in a middle school. Oh, my goodness. And I got into a conversation with her, and I said, because the education is not taking place at home. It's just not. No, you're absolutely right. But do you know what also? There has to be punishment, don't you think, Courtney, too? Because you guys can't just arrest them. You know, there's got to be a message. But you're right. It has to start at home that they get taught the right morals. What kind of beef could you have with a 12-year-old kid at 13 years old? No, you're right. They clearly did not get good parenting, and they clearly did not get appropriate messaging from their parents that actions have consequences. And, you know, and they're not getting it there. 
and they're not getting it in the judicial system. So you're right. There's a that's that's a really important component of it, Courtney. That it has to be taught at home too. Well, I'm so grateful you called, Courtney. This was a, an important call. Thank you, and thank you for all you do, um, and your fellow colleagues out there in law enforcement. We're so thankful to you. Uh, let's go to John on line seven. John, your thoughts. You just heard from Courtney in law enforcement. Good evening. I love you. Thank you. Thank you, John. I think you're great. And uh, I would love to hear uh, the gentleman who just called, what's the race of the kid? And again, I'm not going to say all white people. I'm not going to say all black people, all American Indian people. See, I worked in the courts. And the, the statement that you just made a couple of minutes ago, the gentleman saying about feeling sorry for criminals, I've been saying that for decades. And therein lies your problem with the liberals in the court system, because they've taken over the court system. And I'll give you an example. I was watching PBS, the most liberals on earth, and they had a, a documentation on, uh, they were doing a, 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 a document about Far Rockaway in Queens, New York. You following? Yep. And the, we were complaining that there's nowhere to go to a store in Raw Rockaway. Oh, my God, we can't buy anything. We have to drive all the way. They were complaining no, because no one wants to open the store in Far Rockaway because it's too dangerous. The people who've opened stores, they have been shot, robbed, so they sell or move out, and they're not going to stay there. It's happening all over the United States. That number two when you have women getting paid to have kids, do you think that kid, when he's by the time he's 12, he's, he's going to be behaving himself? He's not going to be behaving. He's going to be running around in the streets getting into trouble. And you just said about discipline. You know, a lot of, unfortunately, it's not a crime to be, uh, I don't know what word to use. I'm trying to keep it clean. It's not a, cr- a crime to be, a, uh, let's say, a dirtbag. Like, you, you, you have children, you don't even know where they are. Half these kids being raised by their grandparents because the so-called, I don't even want to call them a mother, could care less. She's getting a paycheck from the government to pop out uh, a, a fetus, and by the time this kid is 11 years old, he's finished. By the he's way, eight. and John, I've interviewed women like that who've even said it on camera to me. Like, I, I remember going into, like, different communities um, and they were all different races, by the way, who've said that. And they've said, oh, yeah, I get X amount from the government. That's why I you know, had Johnny or I had Bobby or I had Sue or whatever. And so how do we change this? I, I hear what you're saying because there's a lot of problems here. And, and I'm glad, by the way, that we're talking uh, that you and Courtney are both hitting on a really important aspect that doesn't get talked about enough. And that's bad parenting. You know, because you have a responsibility when you bring somebody into the world to try to do the best for that person, for that young person. One more point. There's no law when you don't take care of that 11, 12, 13, 14-year-old. Look, there was that, uh, uh, there was a case somewhere in the United States where the, the kid took his gun from the house. The parents actually bought him the gun. Yep, and yep. He, and by the way, by the way, there is that case, and I'm not sure if you're talking about the same one, but in that case, I, the parents actually did get busted. 
and and the mother but it took it took hearing the mother apparently i think there was like an audio tape or something of the mother who actually was heard saying now just don't get caught i mean like in other words you know how much more evidence do you need but i was happy in that case that they actually did go after the parents because they were clearly wholeheartedly supporting his illegal activity if you will knew the kid had mental problems still got him a gun you know, and just said, don't get caught, you know, Johnny. And, you know, and even went for like a a session with the teachers knowing he had a gun, I think, in his backpack and he opened fire. It was a horrible case. But I hope that it sends a message. But you're talking about a very important thing, John, where parents need to know that they have a responsibility, that they can't just take advantage and and game the system for money um, and and pop out somebody, as you talk about it, and then say, okay, well, no problem. You know, oh, I don't know why that kid ended up this way. You have to really be disciplined with your kids and let them know at an early age that their actions have consequences and try to do the best for them to break that cycle, too, Um, just as you talked about. John, really important call. I'm so glad you called. We're going to continue with your calls, everybody, after the break. And we're also going to talk about the U.S. border because, boy, there's a lot of problems down there, too. 1-800-848-9222. This is The Rita Cosby Show. I wish I could talk to George Gascon. I'd have a word with him, and I'd give him a bit of a wake-up call about his soft-on-crime approaches. There's a couple other people I'd love to talk to, Alvin Bragg and a number of others, because, boy, are they causing a mess. And also, I thought, by the way, a number of you that just called in, and Courtney and a number of others who were just talking about, not only is it soft-on-crime DAs, they're the judges, Parents have a responsibility to make sure they teach their kids right so they don't get into this revolving door of criminals. I mean, we have to figure out a way to break the cycle, but there's a lot of responsibility to go around. But we got to make sure we call those out and that especially those who are elected, i.e. the judges and the DAs, most of them are. You need a big wake up call. And the next time you go to the ballot booth, you say, "Uh uh-uh. I want safety in my home because they are openly mocking. It makes me sick to my stomach to hear about this gang member who's laughing and saying, oh, I love George Gascon. He basically got me off easy. I'm going to put a tattoo on my forehead of him, a picture of his face. He's a great guy. That's not a tattoo that I think anybody should be parading around. one 800 848 uh, let's go to Jimmy on line five. Jimmy, your thoughts about this. Hi, Rita. Thank you for your dedication to these most important matters. Um, now, is there a way through legislation uh, when we hopefully go through this landslide and get some um, common sense in the offices um, that we can hold these prosecutors at stake somehow, like to make them like have a voucher? Listen, I, I, I vouch for this individual. He gets into trouble. It's on me in a certain way. I mean, that's my thought. Oh, that's it, like a and bail, like almost like a, a way to do that, like a bail system. And I mean bail, like in a bail bondsman, you know, when somebody puts up their house for sort of collateral. 
You know, like uh, like you have somebody who's pegged to it. That's the reason sometimes, you know, like bail bondsmen, they'll have somebody like a cousin of the person put up their house. So if the guy, you know, jumps bail, even though they don't get it that much with Gascon or Alvin Bragg, but if they jump bail, then they can take the house. You know, so it, that it would be interesting if there was some way to attach it where somebody would have a sense of responsibility. Hopefully they would care if it's like their sister's home or uh, or their brother's home or something like that. That's an interesting thought. Jimmy, thank you. That's a great one. Um, let's go to Pete on line four. Pete, your thoughts. Uh, Jimmy just had a good idea, like kind of have collateral. Hi, Rita. I got an idea. You know, we left out this. I mean, we didn't mention it yet, and I'm sure a caller will call in or you'll bring it up. Teachers. Now, teachers got their hands handcuffed like police in New York. When I went to school, it was my teachers that straightened me out. I was not a good boy when I first started out. I was a wild man. And But, uh, Pete, you seem like such a good boy now. You turned out well, all right, I, my friend. Well, I met the right girl, and Renee turned me around, you know, and everything. But uh, So, Pete, know, Pete, teachers... Pete, the moral is women will make sure things work out well for you. That's the message. <laughs> well, women women are smarter than men. I found that out after being married for 40 years. That's, I mean, the by the way, the since is. you're married, that is the correct answer, Pete. <laughs> she's in a room right across from me right now, so that's it. she's laughing, and uh, that's it. You know. Well, Pete, I'm glad. Pete, I am glad I put a smile on your face. That makes me very happy. And give Renee a big hug from us here. All right, thanks so much, Pete. <laughs> and by the way, when we come back, something that is not a laughing matter, and that is the state of our border. Oh my goodness, it is an ab. Salute mess. And now some more numbers that are showing that even more terrorists than expected crossed the U.S. southern border last year. And when you hear some of this, boy, it will make your stomach turn. Even Democrats right now, more Democrats are saying, President Biden, you got to do something about the border. It's that bad. We're going to talk about that when we come back. Cosby is on. The Rita Cosby Show presents Support Our Heroes. And in tonight's Support Our Heroes segment, where we honor our great military and, of course, their great families, a beautiful story coming out of Kentucky, a great state, which I love, a World War II veteran and a Korean War U.S. Army veteran, Lewis Simpson, celebrated being 100 years old recently, and he got some fanfare. The Lions Club gave him a card, a cake, a balloon, and a military police coin, and a big, big party. Just to give some background on him, he was in basic training in Hawaii, and then he served in the South Pacific in World War II. He also served in the Korean War, and he ended up in Germany. And his father was in active duty for about 24 years and in civil service for 22 years. Bravo to Lewis Simpson, 100 years young. And I love being able to honor him in our Support Our Heroes segment. I love being able to do all these great tributes, which we do every night 
our Back the Blue, and our Support Our Heroes. Let's go to your calls, one 800 Let's go to Lana on Line 7. Lana, you're here on the Rita Cosby Show. Oh, thank you so much for taking my call, and I'm just honored to uh, participate in an event that's taking place on Sunday where we're going to honor several uh, military and civilian folks on the 47th anniversary of the Vietnam Baby Lift, which took place at the end of the Vietnam War. Our military and civilian boots on the ground in Vietnam managed to evacuate over 2,500 Vietnamese war orphans in the last month of the war, 47th anniversary, and we're doing a, a special tribute to them. Uh, it's a wonderful day. How <laughs> beautiful. Now, what's the, is there a website, by the way, that people who are listening? Oh, yes. Thank you so much. It's uh, www.thepanammuseum.org. Pan American World Airways was quite involved in all of this. And some of those folks have never been recognized 47 years. And my website is just Vietnam Baby List, all one word, dot O-R-G. And a wonderful Vietnam veteran named Charlie Wilbur uh, is the webmaster for that one. <laughs> wow. How awesome. Bravo for you for doing that. And oh, I'm so oh, glad that you, you you put it out there. Thanks so much, Lana. How beautiful. Uh, that you're you. honoring them 47 years later um, and doing it now with some beautiful fanfare. Wonderful, wonderful. I love these great stories. By the way, we've been talking about the military, also everybody at the border. Um, and that is an issue of discussion right now, a big topic, whether the U.S. military can somehow be called in. We had Ken Cuccinelli on the show last night, uh, who was Deputy Homeland Security Secretary. And one of the things he suggested was that maybe they can call out the National Guard, that some of these governors can, quote, call it an invasion and bring in the National Guard. Somehow the military can play a role there. And that is because some of the new numbers, everybody, that we're getting from across the border are just downright really alarming. Um, finding out that in March, 221,000 encounters by our Border Patrol officers. And now some new numbers coming out today that 42 people crossed last year that were on the terror watch list. you got to do some bad things to be on the, quote, terror watch list. Originally, they thought the number was a lot less. Um, and now they're finding out, in addition to the ones we talked about last night, which were 23, now we're finding out today, courtesy of Texas Congressman Chip Roy, who actually, you know, put out, reached out basically to Homeland Security saying, listen, we need to know these numbers. I'm a member of Congress. He got back. He said there are 42 individuals with possible terrorist ties who attempted to sneak into the country last year. So the number is actually a lot bigger than we thought. And boy, is that frightening when you think about someone who actually made it to the terror watch list. Take a listen. This is Congressman Andy Biggs talking about the fact that he feels this president is out of it and he feels the head of Homeland Security needs to leave office. This is purposeful. They're playing to their base, I suppose. Uh, beyond that, we don't know the, the, the bad intentions that the Biden administration has. I personally don't think uh, President Biden is uh, cognizant and capable of understanding the, the, the full danger this country's in because of the southern border crisis. But Secretary Mayorkas does, and he's not doing anything. He should resign. Really frightening. How come no one's been held accountable for this open border? You have now. We're hearing 42 on the terror watch list. There were 23 yesterday. 
That's a lot of people who got in who they actually apprehended. And that doesn't even include the hundreds of thousands gotaways who you know they weren't able to apprehend. We also know that last year, they're talking about the numbers going well over a million in the last six months alone. They're anticipating close to three million may cross the border this year, especially with Title 42 about to be lifted now in just a few weeks. I mean, these are just stunning numbers. And you think about the harm that's causing. And Congressman Andy Biggs also further talked about the Democrats because he said, just like we were talking about bail reform and these soft on crime DAs who are out there telegraphing what they were going to do. He said, same thing with many Democrats. Many Democrats said, oh, we were going to talk about open borders. Remember, they were out there campaigning it vigorously, saying, we're going to go out, we're going to open the borders, we're going to have this country open to anybody who just wants to come on, come on in. And now voters, in many ways, are getting who they voted for. Take a listen. Here's a little more of Andy Biggs talking about that. They campaigned on an open border. This is exactly what an open border looks like. They are keeping a campaign promise. And the fact that they refuse to make things better tells you that this is willful. It is purposeful. Uh, Nobody keeps uh, bad policies in place unless they, they like the results of those bad policies. And these are bad policies. And now things are so bad that in the last few hours, there are now 11 Democrats who have come out And are actually vocally saying they are concerned with Title 42 being lifted. That's, of course, that health, basically, mandate that was in place that basically allowed border agents to send people back because they were concerned about health issues. They could do it during COVID. President Trump put it in place because he said, listen, anything we could do to keep our border safe And lo and behold, Biden is planning to lift it. It's so amazing because this comes at a time where they were pushing, as we know, you know, the masks on planes. They've been pushing for border fund, you know, COVID funding in the new package. There's a big COVID package that's now being debated on Capitol Hill for COVID money. But somehow on the border, there's no COVID. And a number of Democrats that are in fairly conservative districts are really worried especially ones in those border districts like Arizona and a number of these others are going, ah, this is not good. They know that this is going to kill them at election time. And they are trying to put pressure on the president. And so far, the president is just going forward with his open border policy. Listen to Brandon Judd. He is head of basically the Border Patrol Union. Take a listen to what he has to say about that. Right now, they're trying everything that they can to get this administration to reverse um, certain policies, such as Title 42. They're trying to get them to implement programs that's going to help us get the border under control. But this administration, uh, unfortunately, President Biden just continues to pander to his leftist base, and that's it. He's throwing all of these um, senators out in the wind, leaving them hanging out in the wind to do nothing simply because he wants to continue to pander to his base. How sad is that? We were just talking in the last you know, segment about the defund the police, the squad that's been pushing for that. And now you've got the base that is pushing for this open border policy. And the repercussions of this, it's just like the bail reform. It's like letting the criminals off the hook who are laughing at these soft on crime DAs and these progressives that are pushing this policy. Same thing with the border and the border, same thing. They're saying, oh, we want open border. We want to have everybody come on in, not to worry. 
And as a result, we now have people who are on the terrorist watch list. Thank goodness they got these. But how many of them actually got away that are already in the country that we don't know about? You got hundreds of thousands of people since Biden has taken office that are gotaways. Those are the people that never got stopped by the border. I mean, you know, there's a lot of bad folks in there that we will never know about and hopefully never accomplish something horrible in this country and wish to do us harm. Hopefully that never happens. But you know that they're planning something. You know that there are at least a number of folks in there. The odds are there's no way that bad folks didn't get through with that kind of a high number. And it's about to get a lot worse with this lifting of Title 42. Let's go to Alex from California on line four. Alex, your thoughts about this? Yeah, I just want to make two points. The first one is I don't blame Biden for the border mess. I blame the demographic groups that gave a majority of their vote to Biden at the last election. So they're the ones who have ultimate responsibility. But he's the president, Alex. You're, why, why wouldn't you give you know, him or Mayorkas? I mean, how about the, how about the border czar, uh, Kamala Harris? Biden, Biden is doing what, his, what the people who voted for him want him to do. So that's, that's, you know, they're, they're the ones at fault. But I, I want to make quickly a second point. Uh, Great Britain is actually implementing uh, their version of Trump's migrant protection protocol. So if you enter uh, Great Britain illegally in an attempt for, uh, to get a, a asylum, they'll, they will now deport you to Rwanda, and you have to ha- handle your asylum down there in Africa. So uh, That's well, I, interesting. Uh, think, Alex, That's it. when did they start that? Um, I believe uh, it, it, they have not— done the first, uh, how do I say, the deportation, a deportation yet. But basically, that's a policy that was announced uh, over this past week. Uh, obviously, there are some people who don't like that. But uh, but Boris Johnson says that's basically the only way to deal with it. You have to do what Australia does. If you enter Australia illegally, you're not going to get asylum. So, uh, And by the so- way, Bar- that was also, and Alex, thank you for the call, but that was also, by the way, under Trump, it was the remain in Mexico policy. You come through the southern border, you come through Mexico, you remain in Mexico till your case is adjudicated. And if indeed there is a, a genuine reason for asylum and you've been vetted and all these other things, then you come through. But you stay in Mexico until then. And of course, this president lifted the remain in Mexico policy. Uh, but that's interesting. Thank you for telling me about that, Alex. That's really interesting of what's happening there in Great Britain. Let's go to Rob on line three. Rob, your thoughts about this? Hey, Rita. Uh, damn, you're good. <laughs> I really love the hell out of you. Um, you know, uh, I have so much to say about a, a whole host of things, and Jan Six comes really comes to mind. And I, I would hope that you'll cover Jan Six sooner than later. Because I got stuff on that one that will knock their socks off <laughs> and everybody's socks off that listens to you. But, you know, so I was there that day. But it's uh, as far as the uh, border crisis, and that would be the word crisis, it, we're not supposed to ignore the word crisis. Uh, under Barack Obama, we had MS 13 gang members, rapists, and murderers pouring in to this country. And under Donald Trump, they're pouring out. And under Joe Biden, they're pouring back in. Now, how can any thinking person ignore all of that? 
No, that's a great point, Rob, because the facts are the facts and the numbers speak for themselves. And what is so frightening, as you just so aptly described, it's clear as day. You look at the numbers and clearly at that moment, remember when Trump, you know, said, I'm building a wall. I'm going to push for a remain in Mexico. Guess what? These people, the word got out and they realized they're not going to be able to slip in. He made it so difficult for them to come, whereas right now it is a neon sign. And that basically is emboldening these people so much. And that is a really, really difficult thing for this country. Let's go to Al on line five real quick. Al, your thoughts. Uh, Yes, I was wondering, uh, with all the things that the Democrats have been doing, you know, over the years, to me, it looks like uh, all acts of uh, subversive behavior. Letting the borders overrun, I feel that they're doing that to fix the the next elections. He turns off the pipelines, and that wasn't good for the United States. Plus, he's aiding and abetting Putin by purchasing oil from him. Uh, you know, I don't know. Uh, yeah, it's stunning. I... By the way, Al, your point is an interesting one because it is. It's stunning. It's a lot of actions that are not in the best interest of this country. Um, and Al, one of the things you just brought up also uh, was Putin um, and some really alarming news, everybody, coming tonight out of Russia that Putin is honoring the brigade accused by Ukraine of war crimes in Bucha, those horrible images. Putin is honoring those people who butchered and tortured those individuals and people coming out of Ukraine. And I want to get your thoughts tonight on what you think should happen in Ukraine right now. What does the U.S. need to do? Because one of the other things we have seen, we haven't seen leadership in terms of crime. We haven't seen leadership at the border. And we're not really seeing leadership in Ukraine It has been like drip, 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 drip in terms of giving weaponry. And I think the Ukrainians are fighting courageously, but they're still saying we need more. We need help. We need this. And people who've been on the ground, take a listen. This is Brett uh, Vilasovich, and he is a former U.S. special ops guy. And he is over there, and he's describing just how horrible the situation is and saying America needs to step in ASAP. Take a listen. The cruelty and inhumanity of the Russian forces is just like nothing I've ever experienced at war. And I've gone up against ISIS. I've gone up against Al Qaeda. It's like nothing I've ever experienced. In Mariupol, God, I mean, you know, I see this talk right now of this humanitarian quarter opening up. And I caution others because this is not true from, from what my people are telling me on the ground. Mariupol is still closed. Russians are killing or kidnapping humanitarian aid workers that are trying to come to rescue. They've completely sealed it off. We used to have a special way to get small groups of Ukrainian refugees out of there, and now this method's completely blocked off. The Battle of Mariupol and the Donbass, it, it continues. So he is suggesting that the U.S. needs to get on the ground there, not with troops, but somehow covertly get in there to make sure that the weaponry ends up to the front lines of the Ukrainians. And he's saying right now, not just do it for Ukraine, but do it for freedom. What do you think is at stake? Because everybody is saying now this full all assault of the eastern part of the country is in play. And many people are saying that Putin feels he is all in. 
that he needs to have a victory now. What do you think is at stake? And what do you think of the idea of like covert U.S. forces, not boots on the ground where it's advertised, covert U.S. forces making sure they're helping to train the Ukrainians and getting the weaponry to the front lines for the Ukrainians? What are your thoughts about that? Because this is a pivotal moment. 1-800-848-9222. 1-800-848-9222. And I'll take your calls on that when we come back. It's the Rita Cosby Show. Talking about the latest coming out of Ukraine in the last few hours, it appears that the second phase, which is a brutal one, an all-out assault on the eastern part of Ukraine is happening by Russia. And the Russians are honoring the brigade accused by Ukraine of war crimes in Bucha. It is just astounding. And also, a whole bunch of different reports coming in, one of them that a Putin ally has been found dead in his Moscow apartment with his wife and daughter. So some interesting developments happening. And General Keith Kellogg, who was the former national security advisor for President Trump, had this to say about this very pivotal moment in the fight, he says, for freedom. So now you turn to the Donbass, and he's now kind of downsized on what he wants to do and take the Donbass region. But you also have to look at what the Ukrainians are doing. They're counterattacking to the south just outside of Odessa, and they may have a plan to cut off the Crimea as well. So there's still a fight going on. But this is now a fight to the finish. Putin has to win this fight. This is a much different fight than the first two fights. It's a conventional fight. It's going to be a lot more artillery. Wow. And this is going to be a brutal one by all people's accounts. And many people who are on the ground are very disenchanted that the Biden administration has been just kind of slow dripping machinery and they say we need it we need to hurry up and get it to the eastern part of this country take a listen here's a little bit more a former special ops guy brett vilasovich who's there on the ground in ukraine well let's let's talk about these weapons and military aid coming in from the u.s administration it's so important and i'm glad it's finally trickling in but um, to be honest, uh, it's very important that they move faster. It's not moving fast enough. Get it in and make sure it gets to the front lines. Admiral Kirby, who's a he's a great American, Martha, he's a great American. But after being on the ground in Ukraine and seeing this firsthand, I have a major problem with his recent comments that insinuate the U.S. government has no idea where these weapons are going once they arrive in country. It's just absurd. They should be tracking this, providing direction on where they're going. Yeah, they should be. And he's suggesting, again, that there should be some covert special ops guys there helping to make sure and hurrying it up because they believe it is going to be brutal. Right now in Mariupol, by the way, they believe 20,000 people have been killed. And there's still 100,000 people that are trapped in Mariupol. That's that town because that's a really pivotal town right there in the eastern Donbass region. And that town is getting pounded as we speak right now tonight. So what is at stake? Where do we go from here, guys? 1-800-848-9222. Let's go to Jack in Forest Hills on line two. Go ahead, Jack, your thoughts. Hi, Rita. Thank you for uh, taking my call. I'm the first-time caller. The first thing I would do is NATO should give Russia an ultimatum. If you do not stop this war, we are going to take action. We won't say what the action is, but we will take action. 
And the second thing, I just want to make a quick comment. Maybe you could think about it and bring it up to your bosses. Our country is very divided against Republicans and Democrats. I wish that we could all work together, both sides. And I was thinking about how about once a month you get a Republican and a Democrat politician on your radio show, discuss the issues, and see if we could work out some of these problems. By the way, Jack, I like that idea. Jack, I think it's a great idea because we need to figure out a way to do what's right for the country. And I love that. I don't think it should be a Republican or a Democrat. It should be an American solution and we'll do what's best for this country and for the world, too. Um, I'm going to go real quick to Jimmy on line one. Jimmy, go ahead. Your thoughts. Yes, I think we have to do everything possible to help the Ukrainian people. But we also have to be aware that the enemy has immensely strong, powerful forces within America. They show that they can have riots, violence, and murder in every city. This is all part of the same movement. Everything going wrong is all connected. If this was by accident, something would be going right. Yeah, you know what? And you're right. It's been a mess. I have never seen a country go downhill so fast. We got to turn it around.